the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Grounded and Growing in Christ. I'm Dan Rhoda, a pastor of Worland Park Christian Reformed Church, and today we are going to open the Bible together to hear from God's Word. To hear all of the messages in this series, please visit groundedandgrowingradio.com. There you can learn more about this audio ministry. And we'd love if you'd consider providing financial support by making a gift of any amount. If you're not part of the local church, Orland Park Christian Reformed Church welcomes you to worship with us this Sunday as we gather to worship and hear the Word of God proclaimed. You can learn more about our church at groundedandgrowingradio.com. Let's turn together now in our Bibles to Malachi chapter 2, verses 10 through 16 is our text for today. Have we not all one Father? Has not one God created us? Why then are we faithless to one another, profaning the covenant of our fathers? Judah has been faithless, an abomination has been committed in Israel and in Jerusalem. For Judah has profaned the sanctuary of the Lord, which he loves, and has married the daughter of a foreign god. May the Lord cut off from the tents of Jacob any descendant of the man who does this, who brings an offering to the Lord of hosts. And this second thing you do, you cover the Lord's altar with tears, with weeping and groaning, because he no longer regards the offering or accepts it with favor from your hand. But you say, why does he not? Because the Lord was witness between you and the wife of your youth, to whom you have been faithless, though she is your companion and your wife by covenant. Did he not make them one with a portion of the spirit in their union? And what was the one God seeking? Godly offspring. So guard yourselves in your spirit and let none of you be faithless to the wife of your youth. For the man who does not love his wife but divorces her, says the Lord, the God of Israel, covers his garment with violence, says the Lord of hosts. So guard yourselves in your spirit and do not be faithless. Sometimes I think that we are tempted to have rose-colored glasses when we look at the past. Sometimes we think that if things were just like they used to be, that we'd be all right. That things used to be so good. That things used to be all right. But that things have been in decline and that we face trouble and difficulty. There can be an overly optimistic way of looking at the past. Well, one of the things that should strike us today is that if we were to go into the past, if we were to go back 2,400-ish years, we would find that the people of Judah were dealing with exactly the same things that we are dealing with today. And that, in fact, they didn't have it all together way back then. It hasn't come apart now. It's that we are fallen people just like all of the people who have existed before us and people have always been dealing with sin and God's message has needed to be consistent because of that. And the Lord God, 2,400-ish years ago, comes to his people and he tells them with gravity that covenants matter, that faithfulness matters, that marriage matters. 
And one of the problems with the people of Judah is that when they returned from the exile in Babylon, it seems that they had given themselves pretty frequently and substantially to intermarriage with the pagan nations around them. This was a problem in the books of Ezra and Nehemiah as the people left Babylon and came back into the land that the Lord had promised them. And it's one of the problems that's faced here in the book of Malachi. The same problem is persisting. It's still plaguing Israel. But there's another problem here in Malachi that is not present in the same way in Ezra and Nehemiah. Not only are the people continuing this, this practice that is abhorrent to the Lord of marrying people who do not fear God, but also now the people are not being faithful to their covenants of marriage. And they're acting inappropriately by divorcing their spouse. Whenever a minister starts to speak about marriage and divorce, it can cut close. And today, like each Sunday, I would ask for you to receive the words of this section of scripture with an open heart and open ears ready to hear what God says. I'm not trying to, to communicate to anyone today just my own thoughts or inclinations about all of this, but I am seeking to say what God says. I'm trying to say God's words after him. So I would just ask that we would seek to receive this with an open heart, to listen to what God is saying, and to obey him. But there are four issues that are talked about, or four things that are talked about in this text. First, there's faithless marriage that's in view. And second, there's a faithless divorce that's in view. And third, there's faithless worship that's in view. But the last thing that's important for us to talk about today is that there's a faithful God in all of this. So let's work our way through each of these. The first problem is faithless marriage. And this is the first few verses. The the text says, have we not all one father? Has not God created us? Why then are we faithless to one another, profaning the covenant of our father? Judah has been faithless. An abomination has been committed in Israel and Jerusalem. For Judah has profaned the sanctuary of the Lord, which he loves, and has married the daughters of a foreign God. This is what the abomination is in the sight of the Lord. The people of Judah are marrying pagans. Let me be clear about what the issue here is and what the issue here is not. The issue is that they are marrying unbelievers. The issue is that the people of God are marrying unbelieving spouses. The issue is not that they are marrying people from different cultures or different races. The Lord doesn't have an issue in the Old Testament or New Testaments with marriages between different cultures or different races. I'm going to give you just one example. Think about the marriage of Boaz and Ruth. Ruth is a Moabitess. She's somebody that comes from a different culture and a different race. And she comes to the people of Israel and she trusts in the Lord God. She trusts in the one true God. She promises her father, actually, where you go, I'm going to go. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. There is an explicit owning on the part of Ruth of the one true God, the God of Israel. 
The issue is not marrying someone from a different race or a different culture. The problem is that the people here are marrying unbelievers. The problem has always been marrying those who serve a different God, a false God. The issue is marrying a pagan. This was the issue for Solomon who married many women and whose pagan wives turned his heart away from serving God. And that's the issue here. Judah's been faithless because Judah has profaned the sanctuary of the Lord which he has loved and has married the daughters of a foreign God. It was profaning the covenant to marry outside of the faith. And the Lord makes it clear that this is faithless. That's the word that is repeated all throughout this particular text. That it is faithless to marry somebody that doesn't trust in God. And the Lord makes it clear in verse 10 that he is the father of the people of Israel. Have we not one father? That's the, that's the way that the text begins. And, and so what's God communicating by this? Well, he is, he is communicating to the people, all right, I am your father. And in this particular culture, the way that somebody would enter into marriage is that the father would very often choose the spouse of his child. And so God is saying, as your father, I have the right to determine who it is that you can marry. And what I am telling you as the one with that authority is that you must not marry someone that doesn't trust me, that doesn't trust the one true God. God says, marry only believers. It's faithlessness to marry any other. It's pretty striking in the Old Testament, actually. God was so committed to this principle that his children, Israel, were to keep themselves from intermarrying pagans that in Ezra, there is one of the most striking sections, in my, to my mind, in the Old Testament, Ezra chapter 10. In the book of Ezra, Ezra comes and finds that the people of Israel have intermarried with pagan women. And so in Ezra chapter 10, the people repent, and Ezra has them divorce their pagan wives. This is astounding. So important was it for Israel to keep itself pure that since they had married pagans, the, this this person who's speaking on behalf of the Lord says, divorce that pagan spouse. Today's message on Grounded and Growing in Christ will continue in just a moment. To learn more about Orland Park Christian Reformed Church, to listen to other messages from our audio ministry, or to make a financial gift of any amount, please visit groundedandgrowingradio.com. That's groundedandgrowingradio.com. This audio ministry is made possible by gifts from listeners like yourself. And we greatly appreciate all those of you who continue to make it possible to share this work with listeners across Chicagoland. Now let's return to today's message. Now for all of us who live today, the command of God, if you are married to an unbelieving spouse, is not to divorce that unbelieving spouse. The Lord makes this clear in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. And I, you know, if you want to, you can turn there with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 7 and you can see what the call is for all of us that find ourselves in marriage to an unbeliever. This is not what Christians are called to, to divorce an unbelieving spouse. 1 Corinthians chapter 7 verses 12 through 16 says this. Let me read it for us. To the rest I say, I not the Lord, that if any brother has a wife who is an unbeliever and she consents to live with him, he should not divorce her. 
If any woman has a husband who is an unbeliever and he consents to live with her, she should not divorce him. For the unbelieving husband is made holy because of his wife, and the unbelieving wife is made holy because of her husband. Otherwise, your children would be unclean, but as it is, they are holy. But if the unbelieving partner separates, let it be so. In such cases, the brother or sister is not enslaved. God has called you to peace. For how do you know, wife, whether you will save your husband? Or how do you know, husband, whether you will save your wife? So let me explain what the New Testament has to say about marriage. The New Testament communicates the same ethic, that Christians are not to marry non-Christians. But what Paul is saying here is that there are some times where a person will come to saving faith in the Lord Jesus having been an unbeliever when they got married and being married to an unbelieving spouse because of that. In that instance, if you come to a saving faith in the Lord Jesus, you should not seek a divorce, but try to live with your spouse and pray that they would trust in Jesus and tell them about Jesus. The responsibility for one who finds themselves in a marriage with an unbeliever, whether they have made the wrong decision to enter into marriage with an unbelieving spouse whether they marry someone who professes faith and then falls away, or whether they come to faith having married an unbeliever, is to stay married, is to stay married. But the thing that's being communicated here in Malachi chapter two is communicated to us as well. We should not, we must not, marry someone who is an unbeliever. We must not, we should not be unequally yoked. We should not enter into the covenant of marriage with someone unless they and us, unless we both trust in Jesus. And so let me say something to all of the unmarried people within the congregation. Let me speak to you if you are, if you are an unmarried person within the congregation. And I hope that you'll sit up and take note if you are a child or you are in middle school or you are a young adult in high school, pay attention to what God is saying. Don't marry someone who is a non-Christian. One of the things that you must do is determine in your own heart Right now, while you are unmarried, that you will not enter into the covenant of marriage with someone unless he or she trusts Jesus. One of the things that needs to be the most important to you is, I will not even start dating this person unless they love Jesus more than they love me. I will not start a romantic relationship with this person unless Christ and his ways and his church are evidently of first priority to this person. Don't even start. Don't even start the relationship unless this person is a Christian, a true and sincere Christian. This was one of the determinations that I made when I was a young, uh, when I was a, you know, a young man. I was like 12 or 13, and I was like, if I date somebody, that person is going to be a Christian. And, and here's, here's what's tough, is that, you know, I have known people, I've been friends with people that have been hoping to, to date, have been hoping to marry someone, and it's just taking so long, 
and you're tempted to lower your standards, please don't do it. When I was in high school, I continued that determination. I am not going to date, I'm not even going to start dating somebody that is not a Christian. And this was tough because I went to a Lutheran high school. The Lutheran ladies, the Christian Reformed ladies, they didn't give me a second look at any point during high school. And so I had no Christian prospects in high school. But I also worked at the Olive Garden. And for some reason, among the secular ladies, I was far more popular. Don't ask me why. But I was like, I'm not even going to start. And then I remember I met Aubrey, and I remember the first thing that I prayed when I saw Aubrey, I was like, oh, God, please let this one be a Christian. (laughs) Make the determination right now that you won't even start if the other person is not a Christian. It can be really tough. But let me tell you that Jesus is better. Jesus is better than any dating relationship. Jesus is better than romance. Jesus is better than anything else. And so decide right now that the person that you date will be a Christian. And if you're dating somebody who is not, end it. Stop dating them. Now be friends with unbelievers, this is great. This is wonderful to be friends with believers and unbelievers, but if it's somebody that you are walking down the path towards marriage with, don't even start if they are an unbeliever, and if they are an unbeliever and you're dating them, you need to end it. The problem with the people of Israel is that they are entering into marriage with unbelievers, but that wasn't the only problem. Not only was there unbiblical marriage, unfaithful marriage, faithless marriage, there was also faithless divorce. Unbiblical marriage wasn't the only problem faced. The people were also profaning the covenant through divorce. God was not receiving the offerings of the people, and the people are wondering why. And the Lord gives the answer in verses 13 to 16. This is what, this is what we're told. Verse 13 of Malachi chapter 2 and following, and this second thing you do, you cover the Lord's altar with tears, with weeping and groaning because he no longer regards the offering or accepts it with favor from your hand. But you say, why does he not? Because the Lord was witness between you and the wife of your youth to whom you have been faithless. Though she is your companion and your wife by covenant, did he not make them one with a portion of the Spirit in their union? And what was the one God seeking? Godly offspring. So guard yourselves in your spirit and let none of you be faithless to the wife of your youth. For the man who does not love his wife but divorces her, says the Lord, the God of Israel, covers his garment with violence, says the Lord of hosts. So guard yourselves in spirit and do not be faithless. God is not receiving their offerings because they are breaking covenant. They are breaking their marriage vows. Please understand what happens in marriage. In marriage, there are covenants that are made. Did you notice, do you ever notice that in marriage there are actually two covenants that are made in each marriage ceremony? I performed marriage ceremonies for a couple of years before I realized the fact that there are two covenants that are being made in the course of the marriage ceremony. 
I, I'll show you. I'll show you if you take out your gray songbook and turn to page 1010 with me, you'll see the form for marriage that I use. Uh, I use a version of this whenever I, whenever I perform a wedding ceremony. This is the form for marriage that the Christian Reformed Church has approved through Synod. And if you take a look at this on page 1010 in your gray songbook here, you will notice that there are two covenants that are being made. Now, in the course of the ceremony, this is what happens. The bride comes down and the bride and the groom step up here. Usually, I'm, you know, right around here on the platform. The, the groom is right here and the bride is right here. And at the beginning of the marriage ceremony, the bride and the groom are facing the minister. And I do something that's called the institution and meaning of marriage. You can see it near the left hand on the bottom of page 1010. I read for a period of time how it is that God defines marriage. It says in marriage is instituted by God, a man and a woman covenant to live together in a lifelong exclusive partnership of love and fidelity. And then everything else that follows after that sort of explains that the covenant that you're making is to live in this lifelong, in this exclusive partnership of love and fidelity. I read this whole thing, and that gives a picture of what God's purpose is in marriage. And then if you look at page 1011, there's this section called the Declaration of Intent. And I say to the groom and to the bride, I say, now that you've heard God's message concerning marriage, do you agree with it? And do you commit yourselves to each other in accordance with it? And each one answers, I do. This is the first covenant that's made in marriage. The I do is the first covenant. It is a covenant that you are committing yourself to believe what God says about marriage. And when the the bride and the groom say, I do, what it is that they're doing is they're saying, I agree with God's definition of marriage. I agree to what God calls me to in marriage. I agree to a lifelong exclusive partnership with my spouse. I agree to a self-sacrificial love. I agree to the fact that there are differences between men and women that are God-ordained and beautiful. I agree with these things. That's what the bride and the groom are saying. That's the first covenant made in marriage. And then usually the way that it works when I do it is it's after the message, but in the, the form for marriage that you see is then there is an exchange of vows. And what happens at the exchange of vows is that the bride and groom turn and face each other and they say their vows to each other. This is the second covenant that's made in marriage. Now, we usually we use the more traditional vows than the ones that are in here. Don't tell anyone in Grand Rapids, so we don't follow this exactly. But the promise that's being, the promise that's being made is this. I'm going to take you to be my husband. I'm going to take you to be my wife for better or for worse, or for richer or for poorer, in sickness and health, to love and to cherish until we're parted by death. That's the second covenant. It's the covenant that you make to your spouse. The first covenant is a covenant you make to God to agree with what it is that he says about marriage. The second is the covenant that you make to your spouse and you say, you will be mine and nothing's going to part us except death. The people of Israel had made a covenant. The people here in Malachi had made such a covenant and they were breaking it. Having made a commitment to their spouse, they were leaving that commitment. I remember one time I was in college. My roommate brought home the potency of this to me. There was somebody that was very near and dear to me and she had been in a marriage and her husband had been distant and unkind and it finally ended with him leaving her and divorcing her. It was heartbreaking. 
And I told my roommate, John, and he got angry. And he said, this guy made a covenant to her. Why would he walk away from that? It's more than just a contract. It's a covenant. It's an oath-bound commitment before God. It's not something that should be entered into lightly. And it's not something that should be broken. And yet the people of Israel were breaking it. God had brought them together for a purpose. In verse 15, God is seeking godly offspring. He had brought husband and wife together for a purpose that they would have children, that they would raise them in the knowledge and the admonition in the Lord. And they were being faithless. And God speaks to the men here, you're being faithless to the wife of your youth. And in so doing, he's saying, you cover your garment with violence. He's saying it's a violent thing to engage in divorce because in marriage, the covenant makes two, one. Marriage math is one plus one equals one. The bride and the groom become one. And when there's a divorce, there's a violent action in that one now is split. This is violence. And God says that he hates divorce. And God tells them, guard yourselves and don't be faithless. My prayer is that the Lord speaks to you through his word, that we cultivate grateful hearts to him and flourish in a world searching for the hope that we find only in Jesus. To hear more about gratitude, to learn about Orland Park Christian Reformed Church, or to support our work preaching the Bible on AM 1160 through this audio ministry, visit us today at groundedandgrowingradio.com. I'm Pastor Dan Rhoda, and on behalf of the Orland Park Christian Reformed Church, we want to thank you for your support and partnership in proclaiming the Bible here on AM 1160. If you're not part of a local church, Orland Park Christian Reformed Church welcomes you to worship with us this Sunday. You can find all the details online at groundedandgrowingradio.com. Thanks again for joining us, and until next time, may God bless you. Grounded and Growing in Christ can be heard weekdays at 2 p.m. on AM 1160. I'm Derek Bukema, pastor of Orland Park Christian Reformed Church. This month we're focusing on the topic of gratitude throughout the Bible, exploring how God has instructed us to flourish in the world with hearts grateful and thankful to God. If you're not a part of a local church, Orland Park Christian Reformed Church welcomes you to worship with us this Sunday as we gather to worship and hear the Word of God proclaimed. You can learn more about our church at groundedandgrowingradio.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.